different languages and topics all in the same place. Click on air. Tune us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. RadioAmigaInternational.com Good afternoon, everybody. I'm sorry about that. So, uh, welcome to ClickOner slash ClickTalks. Uh, here we are again. Uh, it's Wednesday and it's 4 p.m. So, uh, I have a guest that I want to introduce to you. Yep, Cesar. Hello, how are you? Hey, Daniel, how are you? So, Cesar, he is my good friend from university. And now he is studying in the United States. And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking that it would be nice to have like a jingle. Have you seen, have you seen Wayne's World? No. You no, haven't? I haven't. Really? Mm -hmm. This is one of the most famous movies in, in the world. So they have this, this jingle like that is pretty cool. I'm not going to sing it, but it's pretty cool. I like to have one. Okay. So. Uh, let me let me tell you a little bit about Cesar. So he earned his bachelor degree in psychology and his master degree in neuroscience from Universidad Nacional de Colombia in Bogota. He's been interested in synaptic plasticity mechanism. In his master's work, he researched regulation of dendritic, dendritic spine morphogenesis by pink one in mouse hippocampal cultures. Now, he's pursuing a doctoral degree at UMD thanks to one of the Fulbright Columbia Commission scholarships awarded in 2020. In the Spear Lab, he focuses his research on the synaptic organization of inhibitory amacrine cell input to own a retinal ganglion cells. His experimental approach to studying retinal circuit inhibition takes advantage of conditional knockouts of scaffolding proteins that cluster glycine or GABA A receptor subunits together with expansion micros microscopy EXM for high resolution fluorescence imaging. It's hard to it's hard to read because I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. So <laughs> yeah, <very laughs> it's kind of complicated. It's like a lot of weird names. You're going to have to explain that to me at some point during this interview. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I, I didn't get anything. Okay. So, Cesar, you're living in the States, right? Yes. And it, it is like a, like a dream come true. Really? Yeah. Because you remember when we were in Bogota, Colombia? The situation back then is wasn't as different as it is right now. So it was tough for us. And um, it's a common denominator for um, Universidad Nacional students that we, we don't have we, we don't have money. <laughs> so it's difficult to study, first of all. So yeah. I'm in the United States and I'm, I'm more relaxed now. Um, and it yeah. was ha it has been like a like a long journey to come here. Some people think that this is like for granted because you are like a genius or something like that. I don't consider myself like a genius. It's a normal normal person, 
But I now that I remembered all the things that I had to do to come here, I said, yes, it was years and years. Yeah, you, you like to study. So yeah, this is this is a dream come true. And I remembered you. Yeah, you have gone through a lot of stuff to together. Yeah, we're going to discuss that as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's start at Universidad Nacional. So we used to we used to talk just like this about well we will discuss other topics like very very trivial topics right but we will just like talk in English trying to yeah I was trying to teach you how to communicate and you got it but yeah so at at Universidad Nacional you studied psychology. And then your master's was in neurobiology. That was something crazy. So tell everybody that is listening to us about that, everything that happened at La Nacional. So how was it? How was your life there? What did you learn there? How did you get from psychology to neurobiology? Because that's crazy. I don't think that many people do that. No. I remember that when I started the master. I wasn't the only psychologist, but all of them made their dissertation thesis uh, working with humans. So doing something a little bit related to psychology. Yeah. But I, I, was, I, I wanted to do something more uh, with cells. So something like um, more um, cellular or molecular, biological. So when I was studying psychology, um, I am like a um, first-generation student, meaning that um, I'm the first in my family, as well with my brother, that come to the uh, to to have a college education. So my decision when I first was admitted, I didn't know what to study because I didn't know what university means, and um, I just decided to study psychology at the time. And I also remember that after I started taking courses, I didn't feel uh, comfortable. And I was like, I want to change. But uh, That's one what way I another, did. I, I felt the same and I changed. But yeah, you changed. But at that time, my situation was different because I, before I just started college, my job I sustain my family, my mother and my brother. And it was a big decision supported by my mother. You need to go to college and stop working. And we figured it out somehow. And that's what we did. We figured it out and we just living with the minimum wage, very minimum. And we both, my brother and me, were, went to college. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I just um, was... When I was studying psychology, I was very interested. The first part of psychology that you remember that we see a lot of theories about what the mind could philosophy be. Philosophy and stuff. And philosophy and all these dissertations, all pure theory was... Yeah. I was very into it. And actually, I took courses in philosophy. And um, But the second part was more applicable psychology. And we, we said, like, no, I didn't like the kind of jobs a psychologist could have. And many of you just give up and change at that point. So I didn't you, change. 
You didn't want to work as a psychologist. No, and I didn't. I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, I worked for like one year after I graduated. Okay. But I didn't give up psychology at the time because uh, I wanted to get my degree as soon as possible and go back to work with a better job and, work and help my family. That was the idea. But in the middle of the of my bachelor degree, my mother passed away. So it was a time in which um, I needed to find my own pathway through life and try to select something that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, at that time, my, my brother is, um, he's, he already, he recently actually got his PhD in physics. So I thought that he was thinking that, oh, my brother is uh, studying a master at the time. And I said, I also can have a, my master. So let's do something more scientific. And that's why I applied to neuroscience. And I did this research that sounds a little bit crazy, uh, but it's with cells. But it's just, in, to put it in simple terms, is that there is, uh, I was studying a form that is inherited, that is a mutation in one gene that causes uh, Parkinson's disease. So we can, we, we know this uh, gene and we tweak the cell in such a way that now the gene, that this little gene uh, is, um, doesn't work well. So it's like a model of the disease just in a bitch. So you create, uh, you know all the genes and you turn one off? Only one. Yeah. That's okay. the beauty of biology. So you can, you know the gene, you target gene, and there are some tools that somehow it's very easy, actually. You tweak just one gene in the cell. So that now you use that as a model to try to understand what happened in cells of these patients that had Parkinson's disease. So just this is called basic research. We don't know anything about it. Uh, we know that we are doing it in a culture, in a cell. And it, this is, you cannot conclude anything about people having the disease, but it's a way to understand the disease. Yeah, I agree. We, it is, it's a first phase of the, of the research. You're just exploring the field, like trying to get as much information as you can. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. And also what we try to do is like, oh, trying to understand. And if we come up with something, maybe somebody else can use this information to come up with a therapeutical treatment for the disease to kill these old people. This is the final goal. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to heal Parkinson. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, when, when we were at college, you said that you wanted to create the Terminator or something like that. So. Uh, but what was that, like, uh, my motivation to go through college? Because at the end, even though I studied psychology, my uh, bachelor dissertation was with uh, was in philosophy. Yeah, I remember. So I was, like, I, I was struggling, like, finishing my bachelor. Uh, but I had to, I, I know that, that I just spent, like, four years, five years doing it. I had to finish Mm -hmm. It's tough. It's tough when it turned longer, but but at the end I did it, and I did it with a. I wrote something in, in philosophy of mine. Yeah, yeah. So you've been through psychology, philosophy. Well, philosophy and psychology—they're very close. 
Yes. And, and then you went to neurobiology. I think that is the, that is the that there is a big gap between. Those, yes, in, in, in background. And you had to study a lot. That was hard work, right? Um, when I found out that neuroscience was the thing that I wanted to do after psychology, I just do my homework. Having studied at the Universidad Nacional, any career, any degree that you earn, you come up with this mental set that now you know how to learn your stuff. Even if you are learning something new, you know how to do it. Yeah. So it was like uh, taking courses, online courses. This is not for everyone, but for me it worked. And I also audited some courses in Universidad Nacional. So I, was, I went and talked to professors. I already graduated, but I, I really want to make this transition to science and I need this course. Can I take it? And I, and I did it. I took two courses like that. And then I was well prepared to present the admission test. And I also remember that I had a, an interview where I had to propose something. And I answered questions. So... Mm-hmm. Bottom line is that if you want to do something, you, you have to do your homework and try to prepare yourself and be like giving you leverage to really do well in this. Because most of the time you have to present a test mm-hmm. or make a presentation. Uh, even with, uh, even with um, it's the same process. Uh, when you go into college or master, when I got my uh, scholarship and also when I get admitted here, it's the same process. You have to present something and show that you know something. Mm-hmm. And you so know, the, in advance, you just, you just need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's what you're saying. That is your, your motto, I think you call it. People call it like that. Do your homework. That's it. Homework. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Okay, cool. And I didn't know that part. I didn't know that you took courses, that you were assistant. That's how they call it, right? At the university. Assistant. Yes. Yes. That's um so you take the, the course, but there are no grades and you're not trying no. to pass the the course. No, you're just taking it because you want to take it. And that, that I happened. Wanted to learn. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's it. You're, you've always been interested in learning. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, man. So, uh, about what you do. Let me check something because I lost it. Good. So, your presentation, I just remember that presentation that you were talking about like a second ago that you had to uh, go through an interview and stuff and you had to show your project right when you're when you, you were trying to get into into your master's program that was in english wasn't it no it wasn't in spanish i was in spanish because i, I remember that you prepared something in english um in the research group that i was Okay. My professor went to Argentina for one week. And when he came back, he told us that everybody was presenting in English. And 
this give us that now we have to do this because many people don't go to present their research uh, to the world, to conferences, because they are afraid of English. So this was like a training in a safe environment just to uh, just read a paper and present it and do it in English. Mm-hmm. So everybody was was paying attention, and you just need to prepare something, and that's what the beginning of my fluency in English. I remember that. I like yeah. I like that professor because of that. So he he pushed you a little bit. Uh, it was something that I was I was very into English at the time, and yeah. I wanted to just I don't like the idea that I, oh I'm gonna talk in English for like one hour and nobody is gonna say anything to me. I like it a lot. I remember that experience, like the first time that you get to to speak for a for a long time and people understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so what about English? So you you were always interested in English. You always wanted to learn, right? And what about being in the United States? How how have you felt that this has helped you improve your English or how has it changed? Um Actually, I just started to improve my English. I've been here in America for two years, almost two years. But I've, I, I believe that my English started improved just one year ago when I changed laboratories. Um, because the first year I was with a professor, with a Latin professor, and we were talking in Spanish all the time. Yeah. And because when I came here, it was in the middle of COVID. So the only person that I interact with was my my advisor. And it was always in Spanish. So my English didn't improve okay. at the time. But then I changed laboratories and everybody is American. And nobody speaks Spanish. So every interaction and everything is in English. And then I just started to improve my English. And also because the pandemic, like, It was uh, less intense. So I saw my people and started meeting um, other people and here interactions are all in English. So I just started to use language. Yeah. 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 So you've been going out and stuff, meeting people. You have been going out and meeting people. And I mean, you have been interacting with people now. In yes, English. a lot. Yes. Yeah. What do you do? You go to bars and stuff. Do you dance? What, what do you no, do? No, I, I, we didn't go. But it's because of me because I, I, I feel overwhelmed with loud noises. So I don't like this kind of uh, places. But it's because it's because of that. But um, I met. I have some friends, so we like to go to the bar and have drinks after a long day. Uh, or sometimes we go to, um, for example, next Saturday, we are going to the monster trucks. That is so American, man. That yeah, it's very like, American because I wanted to do American things. You want to do American, American stuff. Yeah. yeah. But that is too American. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. grew up, I, I grew up watching. These shows with uh, monster trucks, WWE, um, American sports, and I wanted to live it here. Okay. Watch it in life, in real, in person. 
Yeah, it sounds cool, actually, going to one of these monster truck shows. So you want to go to wrestling mm -hmm. as well? Have you? No, this is the uh, first thing that I'm going to do, like something American. This is the first time. This is the okay. first. Then you have to go to like a baseball match. I yes, I wanted to go to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you have some money, right? Because you got some money from the scholarship. I mean, uh, every once is something that I, I realized just recently that not everybody knows that if you, the graduate school is free and they pay you. So people are, are afraid to go to graduate school because they think that they have to pay for it or maybe that uh, they don't receive a payment on top of that. But that is not true here in America. If you get admitted to a university, the university pay for you and give you a stipend. So you have um, spent uh, to be full-time a graduate student. That's cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Is it the same here in Colombia? No. Um, in Colombia, we have these um, Mean Ciencias scholarships that was before like uh, Colfuturo. Mm -hmm. uh, Colfuturo is another one. Colciencias, um, I was talking about. Uh, but not graduate school have these scholarships. It's not, it's not for everybody. It's not all the universities. I mean. yeah. I know cool. that Los Andes has it. And the, stu the graduate students have to um, teach classes. Mm -hmm. And actually he here as well, a regular graduate student have to uh, teach classes and that's how the university pay for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it right now because I came here with a Fulbright scholarship. So I'm like, a, I have more time. You don't, don't have, have to, to you don't have to teach? I don't have to teach, not now. Okay. I, I, I will have to do it as when my scholarship uh, ends because the money is not going to cover the six years that this okay. PhD is going to long. But um, unfortunately, but fortunately, the laboratory that I'm working right now, my professor told me that I have to teach for one semester because this is part of the experience of being a PhD student. But if I don't like it, he will pay for me to be in the laboratory full time. And this okay. is the thing that I, I think that I'm going to do. I get it. I get it. So yeah, you're actually working when, when you are getting a PhD, you're working, you're doing a research job. Something Here, like science that. is a business. And this is we don't have in Colombia. This is a business. And the departments get a lot, a lot of money. You don't imagine the amount of money that they are receiving every single year for yeah. just doing research. And they pay graduate students. And we feel like many Americans' friends said, said that uh, what they get paid is not enough. Okay. Uh, but uh, for me, it's a lot of money because I... I I was earning in Colombian pesos. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a lot of money here for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You live well. That's, that's it. You... It's like uh, I don't have like um, um, like uh, fancy, you know, uh, fancy things in, or nothing like that. Mm -hmm. But um, 
if I want to do something, I can do it. For example, if I want to go to monster trucks, uh, I can do it. I can afford it. Or if I want to like uh, buy some food, or if I want to buy like a uh, clothes, like uh, something that I didn't have the in back in Colombia. So it is more relaxed. But recently, I think that the most important feature of living here, at least here, is the feeling of uh, security that you that you are in every moment when you are on the street. Yeah. It's different than you are in Colombia. People are afraid in Colombia. Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here when you I... can just be at midnight in the middle of the forest and nothing doesn't happen. Yeah, that is so cool. I remember that I, I lived in France and you, you know that and that was so cool. At first, I remember that I was always, you know, watching my back, looking, looking behind me. And I, at some point, I realized that it wasn't necessary and I felt so good. It's so like you release something and you feel so good when you live like that. Yes, I remember that. I remember walking through through Paris at 3 a.m. and not being scared, not being worried. It was so cool. That is super cool. That is life, you know, that is important in life. Yeah. So you go to a forest and stuff. You go camping. Uh, no, I mean, I am, uh, I am in College Park, Maryland, which is a small town near to Washington, D.C., but this town is like a suburb kind of yeah. city. Yeah. So this is like, there is more green than uh, pavement. So you are like uh, in the forest all the time. You're and you can hiking. find, you can see, at any moment you can see uh, squirrels, or Bambis, I call them Bambis. <laughs> uh, even uh, last uh, two nights ago, I saw a fox. Nice. They're 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 tiny. Huh? They're small animals. The puffy tail is it was. Yeah. Wow, it was a fox. Yeah. It's very it's very nice. It's that it's like wow. I'm I'm on like a fairy tale town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you live in your dream, man. That's cool. That's cool that you yeah. that you're it's, happy. It's very cool. Yeah, cool. Okay, man. What about Fulbright? So, uh, look, I work at Universidad de la Gran Colombia. Here we have uh, engineering students. Uh, we got future lawyers. I mean, law students, our, our architecture, uh, you know. So if they want to do what you did, you know, like to go to Fulbright, ask for a scholarship and stuff, what do they have to do? Um, there are different ways that you can get information. The easiest way is to go to uh, the webpage, Fulbright Commission Colombia. Okay. Um, and, you can, and you can click on the scholarships. They have a diversity of scholarships, either if you are from indigenous communities or Afro-American communities 
or if you want to do a master or a PhD or just you are a PhD student here and want to do like an internship in America. So, uh, and also I saw that uh, if you are a language teacher, I want to uh, teach English or Spanish as a second language, you can do it as well, that they have scholarships specific for these um, for these communities. So there are a lot of scholarships. In my case, I wanted to do a PhD, so my scholarship is Min Ciencias um, a scholarship, and I'm from the cohort of 2020. So yeah, so I'm having here like two years now. So this scholarship, uh, you need to present, uh, if I remember well, you need to write two essays, one uh, you express uh, your, um, like, uh, what, why you need to answer why you want to study a PhD in the area of interest that you selected and why in the United States. And the second one, you need to present yourself, like your positionality, your history as an individual and um, your context, uh, your specific context. So for example, um, I was a first, first generation student um I am a 42 years old guy. So this is in Colombia is uh, like ex you don't get like the same opportunities as young people, especially to study a PhD at this age. I also belong to one to strato two, so one of the lowest uh, socioeconomic status. So all this is build your positionality and you present yourself like, um, uh, I deserve an opportunity because I'm smart. I wanted to do it. I like English. I want to experience other cultures. Um, and you just, uh, you can write like, um, something that is, just, um, just happened to you. Okay. And what about the first these one? people, these people are getting, um, applications and they are more or less similar. So try to write something that really puts you on the spot that people who read your essay will remember you. Okay. And this is one of the things that you have to do and you have to present your the TOEFL test. Um, people are afraid of this, but it's just, it's the same as just do your homework and also uh, Fulbright accept a TOEFL test that doesn't require to speak. Uh, so you can apply with it. The IBT, I think it's the one. Academic, I think it is. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's, it's something you can find them as well in the Fulbright webpage. Okay. And finally, at that time, I remember that I also had to present the GRE. That is an exam to get um, graduate education in the United States. But now most of the universities don't require. I don't, I'm not aware if Fulbright is still required. But again, it's just um, um, 
DGRE evaluates your uh, mathematical skills. It just evaluates your high school mathematics and your logical reasoning, as well as a um, more deep understanding of English. So you need to know um, fancy um, words that you can only find reading, so you need to read a lot. That's the, that's the task, that's the homework for the year, read a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you go through one of these tests, it's, it's all about the connectors. Uh, yeah. If we're speaking about English, it's going to be however, even though, uh, nevertheless, yeah, I know that. I know that. Good. And um, what did you, what did you write for the first essay for? Why did you want to go to the United States? What did you say there? Hmm. I just said that uh, my, my, my story that I started in psychology, that I wanted to do something more scientific, that I studied by myself, that I spent a lot of time and effort doing it. I got admitted. I did basic research on cells. Um, I put at the same level of my cohort that most of them, I remember that were, um, um, they studied um, medicine and biology and sciences. So just that I did it by myself, that I really wanted to do this and I'm still want, and I'm still feeling it, that I, now I wanted to pursue a PhD because I know that I, that I, that I was good, uh, that I also that I was good with my hands because you need to do experiments and you need to to also be like, this is like a handcrafted uh, activity. So that I, I know I'm, I, I'm still doing experiments here because of that, because I'm good with my hands. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I remember. I remember I the machines. Yeah, I remember the machines and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you were studying psychology, you, you had two experiments too, right? With rats. psychology, um, I remember that th there was this subject that I didn't take where you went to a to a lab, an animal lab, and mm -hmm. you had like a rat and you had to do stuff to the rat. I, yes, I, I did. Didn't want, I didn't I want to do that. I didn't disturb the rat. Yeah. So okay, yes. I get it. Cool. Okay, man. So now let's go to the USA. You, you, you already said that it's like a dream, that you're living your dream and stuff. So, but tell us a little bit more about what, what is it like to live in the USA? I li I've lived in another country. I, I know that at first it can be a little bit difficult because you're alone, because you don't know anybody, because you lose your social position. I feel like here in Colombia, I have a social position. I am a teacher. And some people respect me, going to say it like that. And when I was in France, I was nobody, but I was below nobody because I was in French. So it was like, it was very difficult when I was there by myself and I was working and kids were difficult. Well, I was being a teacher, so I had to face this situation where I had a lot of French kids looking at me and I didn't know what they wanted, so... Yeah, that was crazy. That was difficult. But that was my experience. What about you? What, 
what has it been to, to be in the United States, to live there? Um, I can describe it like a two stages. The first stage was when I was COVID, the pandemic, because uh, my program was research-based. So they wanted me to be here from the start. So I came in August 2020, just in the middle of the pandemic. So everyone, every, everything was closed. Even here, the university was closed. Most of the businesses and shops were closed and everybody was using face masks. I didn't, I didn't meet many people. I remember that I feel like, like kind of depressed because I was alone here without friends, not talking to anybody for like one year. Uh, I went to Colombia twice that year because I, I was despaired. I was um, heartbroken. I mean, homebroken, yeah, that, that I wanted to come back. But when I come back, I realized that Oh my gosh, I'm much, much better here in the United States. I need to come back. And that was my motivation that I, my situation in Colombia was um, not as, not even, it's not comparable to the situation that I'm living right here. So that's what I try to say when I am living my dream is just because my life has changed for good. I'm, I'm, I feel like, um, more free, like mentally, is 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 like liberating. Yeah, like, and uh, that is about that is about people here. It's like some kind of social oppression that try to keep you down, right? That try to stop you from thinking and try to yeah yeah. I think I get it. Yeah. So after, so it was, it was sad at the beginning. And when I came here in many of the introductions, uh, events that I went, everybody was talking about the honeymoon stage when you come to a new place, but I didn't leave it because I came in the middle of COVID. So I didn't have honeymoon. I had nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then the the the, the pandemic changed. Uh, the university started classes in person, so I started like talking, see people. Um, I changed laboratories, so I started talking in English. So I started feeling like, oh, I am in America right now. Now I feel that yes, I am in America. You're in America, yeah. Yeah. So it has been uh, like two different things, but I think the pandemic hit everybody, not only me. It's everybody yeah. that was enclosed in, in their home. I remember those CNN reports, those daily reports they had. Did you follow that? Uh, did you used to follow that? Daily reports from where? Uh, I had... Uh, Trump was... Speaking, he was every day out there, like in the podium, and like, 
now we have Dr. Fauci and stuff, and now we have this, this military guy who is going to tell us about logistics and stuff, and he did that every day, and it was like a, a tense situation, and yeah, how was it? Well, actually, you lived the pandemic in Colombia, and then you went to the States, and you lived the pandemic in the States. Yeah, it was the same. It was the same. So you're going to say that it was the it same. It was the same. I was I was enclosed in in four walls. Okay. Talking to a computer. Yeah. And that's it. So yeah, I get it. So yeah, nothing changed. Well, no. the walls changed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That that must have been. I, I was so sad that I didn't yeah. want to go outside. I just wanted to. And at first, you're a little bit scared of going out because you don't know the place, you don't know the people, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah. Oh man, that was difficult. Difficult. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was very difficult. Yeah. And then everything started like loosening up. Like you didn't have to wear a face mask. And how was it? How was that? Yeah. Like, um, that thing there. I actually. I'm not ashamed of this, but I actually asked for help. So I was talking to a counselor from the university because I feel like I was, it was too much for me. Yeah. And I also wanted to um, be a good student because I came here with a scholarship and if I couldn't do it, uh, I could even, could lose my scholarship. So it was not only depression, but also was stress and I was uh, anxious all the time. So I did it. And unfortunately, the pandemic here ends a little bit. It was more flexible, more people. And um, my brother also helped me. We talked every single day a lot. And um, I, uh, I started like being more interested in what I was doing at the university. Um, but yeah, but there was a time that was very dark here. Fortunately, fortunately, um, my my family supported me one hundred percent. My friends, um, people here, the the one or two people that I know here, they were very, very paying attention and very care of myself. And they're always good people, huh? everywhere. Yes, everywhere. You can find good people everywhere, yeah. That's true. Yeah. You know, the other day I was talking to Cody. Did you remember Cody? Yes. And he he was telling me that uh, he didn't believe in the in the virus, in the coronavirus. He said that that was some kind of government strategy or something like that. So you're you're a scientist and you work well. You're not in that field in the viruses stuff and that you're a scientist so what do you think about it uh no but i have talked to other scientists that are more into understanding and researching the virus and yeah the virus was real for sure and it killed a lot of people okay 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 (laughs) because yeah we we discussed that and it was like, um, 
Yeah, it was like uh, is some kind of government strategy to control people, and we started talking about these theories, you know, that say that uh, there is like a new world order, and that wants to uh, decimate population of of the world. But yeah, maybe that is not true. Actually, it's so funny because I remember that at that time, just before the pandemic started. In Colombia, there was a lot of movements that were like making an impact, or at least they, they were making noise. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of um, organized people from the university, uh, women, LGBT, LGBT community, all of them, it was very strong. And all of a sudden, the pandemic hit and everything shut down. Yeah. And we were talking. We were talking. Wow, this could be something that it look. It looked like it was planned. Yeah. Okay. So you think that there is a possibility there? I don't know. We we will never know. Yeah. Yeah. That is the thing. We'll never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Mister Scientist. Now, what 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 are you going to do next? I mean, so you have to finish this, right? You have to, you still have like two or three years more to study and to be in the lab and do research and stuff. And then you're going to teach. And then after that, what do you think is going to happen? Actually, uh, I, after I get my PhD, I would like to transition into industry. So I'm, I'm trying to uh, looking for what kind different jobs for a PhD. Uh, my advisor already knows knows this decision, so he uh, involved me in the committee that was part of the decision-making for acquiring a new imaging system at the university. So I was able to try five different microscopes. Um, Three of them were in the university, but one of them was in Denver. So I traveled to Denver and I knew this company and these people. And um, I know, I knew, like uh, that, like uh, the type of job that I can get with a PhD, like That's in one of, of these companies that sell my microscopes, and the other was in the NIH, the National Institute of Health, and um, I knew that we can I can do like um, be a research without the teaching part, so that could be like another type of job that I can do uh, without going into academia with a PhD. Isn't there anything else after PhD? Post-doctorate? Uh, uh, no, most people do a uh, postdoc. Postdoc. A postdoc, which is like another PhD, and just because you want to learn another technique or you want to go deep into a subject that you are interested in, but it's, it is more like a job. Okay. 
Okay, okay, yeah, but that the thing about selling microscopes, would you like that? I, I don't uh, see I you. I, I knew, I knew the how it was the business. I know that is a lot of traveling involved, and somebody also mentioned that because I my first language is Spanish, so I could be like attractive to these companies that try to sell microscopes in Latin America, for example. Okay. So my, my profile could be uh, of interest for many companies. Okay. But I think you should go, you should, you should keep going with the, you know, with the intellectual part of the, of the thing. You're, you're trying to, to help Parkinson men. Actually, uh, we had a conversation this afternoon with a friend that he has, she asked me the same and I asked my answer was, I just wanted to do something that make, make me, makes me happy. And that made you happy? That makes you happy? I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying it. One thing that I, that I do know for sure is that different con contexts make you feel different sensations. Okay. And okay. uh, and uh, I just want to just try it. And here, because I don't have this, um, I'm not thinking about that if I go on the street and maybe somebody can steal my cell phone or something like that, but I'm thinking about, oh, I'm thinking about my experiments and what I'm doing, or I have to talk to these people, I have to build a machine, so you are in like in another world, you know? And I'm feeling different. Now imagine that you are um, um, working and um, in this company that you are the like uh, the link between uh, production and customers or something like that with a PhD. Yeah. So first of all, you do earn more money than going to academia. And second, you just have like something different. It just, it just, then I want to do something like that makes me, makes me feel comfortable. Um, um, yeah. And I think that academia is not the place for me because of that. Okay. Okay. So you're saying that you, you don't think academia is the place for you? Really? Yes. But mm -hmm. you've been you've been doing that for like 20 years now. Yeah, but it's time I can change my mind. <laughs> yeah, of course, you can change your mind. But I yeah. remember I remember you saying that you didn't want to work, that you just wanted to study. And yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I've been postponing okay. that decision. And you're in this state. And now so, I'm getting in a stage that I now I have to do it. Yeah, your your perspective changed a lot. Yeah. That's I cool. told you. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. So you, you, it looks like now you're you're kind of looking for the American dream. Um, uh, it's hard to tell because um, because of my scholarship that required me to come back. So I need I, I don't know yet. You have to come back uh, with the scholarship. Yes. Okay. Because of the scholarship. One of the terms of the scholarship. So, but, uh, yep. but I have to. I have to um, talk to these 
I don't know. Um, I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm just right now. I'm just fucking focus on what I'm doing at the lab. And when you talk to other people that have finished this program and stuff, do they stay in the states? Do they go back to their countries? Uh, no, actually, the international students are just a minority. Most of these PhD students are Americans. Okay. Okay. So, what about you? Do you think that it, that there is a possibility of you coming back to Colombia and staying here? Is that a possibility? Uh, yes. Um, I'm not saying no to any to anything. So yes. And what do you know about the conditions for people like you, like the person that you will be at the moment? People who with PhDs and the best education in the world. And they come to Colombia. Are there resources? Are there institutions? Are there laboratories to keep on working about what you do your research about? I haven't looked at it actually, but we have this friend, this common friend Anna. She Anna. got a master in France, and now she's she got a position, a, a very good position as in in the administrative position of uh, national libraries of Colombia, something like that. Okay. I know know the positions, they are there. I just just don't know what they are. Okay, okay. What about your brother? Because he lived that. He, he uh, He has a PhD. He studied in Portugal, I think. No, uh, he got his PhD in Universidad Nacional. Okay. And he made an internship that in Uruguay. He was also in Brazil. I think in Chile. And he also went to, he came to America. He was in the New York State in a university called Alfred University. And I think he went to Portugal, but it was vacation. Ah, okay. I thought that he was studying there. Good. But then he got his PhD, and now how is he doing? He is, is he doing a here? professor. He's teaching classes in Universidad Distrital. And okay. he also, I think he has another position in another university, but I'm not sure about it. Okay, he's so a- not that bad. So No. Always a possibility. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And what about? So you forgot about this Terminator idea because I liked it, man. You say that you were going to create the machine that was going to finish humanity, and you never know. Maybe my research could be used to create artificial intelligence. That would be the beginning, but then. I think that so far, if that could, if that would happen already, um, the Terminator will came to this time and try to kill me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he he will be here right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. Before that, <laughs> okay, man. Okay, cool. I think we have discussed everything, man. Uh, we still have some time, but we have discussed everything, and 
I just think that it was very, I think it's going to be useful for the students here, man, you know, because some of them, they're very smart and they're interested in going to places because I teach them. And when we have languages classes, they are yeah. always telling me about their plans and Most of them think about going to another country. Most of them think about learning French or English. And they know about the possibilities there are. And now that you're speaking about this Fulbright thing, it seems like you have a lot of opportunities there. And well, one of the problems we have here is English, you know? Because a lot of people, they just want to, they don't want to learn English. They don't see the value in English. So we have a lot of students that come here and they just want to, they study English because they have to, but they don't see the value in English. And I know that there are a lot of scholarships that are lost because of people that don't speak English. So yeah, that is the situation here. So what what would you tell to, to these guys, to, to our students who don't see the value in English? What would you tell to them? Um, well, I think that more, more than learning English, learning a second language, whatever it is, will give you, will change, will give you like leverage, like mental leverage. Your brain changes when you learn a second language and you are kind of get smarter mm -hmm. uh, that, that's what I feel that from my experience of learning a second language like um, when you are learning it you feel it like you can understand things from different perspectives more easily I think that I, that could be a good description of how I felt it um, and uh, also uh, the Actually, there are research supported what I'm what I'm saying. Um, that you uh, came up with, uh, you start thinking different. So it may, whatever you do, you start just innovating like all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. You become smarter, and yeah, you start think thinking differently. Yeah. So that's one of one one reason that you can you can get smarter. Yeah, get smarter by learning yeah. a second language. Yeah. But also yeah. right yeah. now with this, is we are in a time that is, um, the world is uh, where we live. And we are communicating with each other uh, with English. Mm. Not because it is American stock, but because uh, people that, speak other languages, we communicated with them in English. So you want to be part of the international community, that is another reason to do it. Yeah, that is a strong reason. Yeah, 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 that's it. Technology makes us live like this. Huh? Because, yeah, I... Actually, my friends, you know, you're in the United States. Kenji is in Japan. Corey is in Canada. So it's like, yeah, internet and technology change the dynamics a lot because it, it's not like, yeah, we, we can still communicate and we can still talk and stuff. Yeah, 
And well, when you travel, when you travel, yeah, you, uh, I, when I went to Europe, everybody spoke English. Everybody, everybody, everybody. So, yeah, yeah. I hope that they, they get this lesson. They, they feel your words. I hope because they, sometimes they are not interested. Yeah. There are so many scholarships, man. In France, for example, in France, Uh, it's so cheap to study. You don't even need a scholarship. You can get a scholarship, but you don't need it. It's so cheap. And you pay like 2,000 euros a year. That is like 6 million or 7 million a year, something like that. Yeah, I hope they get it. Actually, yes, I wanted to say something about it because I am studying in the United States, but that wasn't my first option. I also tried to study in Germany and in Switzerland and Europe. Mm -hmm. um, so I was to this event that the university, I think, is, is part of the university. The university is involved, I remember it. Um, to get like a workshop of different universities that are offering scholarships to go to study. So you go and talk to directly to people from those universities and um, they will give you first-hand information about the requirements that you need to fill and also can give you like a, a pers um, like how you profile fits into their program or what, what is missing or what you need to pay more attention to or do something before applying to their program. Um, and for from country to country and also from university to university is different. So it is very cool to have this um, talk to these people directly from a university you are really interested in and just to try to fulfill all the requirements. So it's not only to study in America, it's just one of the options. You can do it everywhere. Uh, Europe is a great um, alternative to do it also. Uh, I, I do know that even if you want a PhD in Germany, for example, it only takes you three years and you can get a PhD. So this also you have to know that there's different curriculums and uh, the requirements is different. Um, I also remember that I applied to Switzerland. They have scholarships and it's in English as well. Oh, what else? In Germany, even if I apply, even when applying in Germany, uh, the requirement, the language requirement was English. Okay. Man. And I know some my brother's friends, they studied like in Mid-East. Mid-East, and the, the requirement was also English, so. Mm -hmm. In the Middle East? In countries yes. Like, what countries? Kuwait, I believe it was a fancy university with a lot of money, remember. Okay. And they have, of course, they have a lot of scholarships. Mm -hmm. just, yeah. just, just spend time on the web, um, go to these workshops, talk to people, um, going 
even uh, in the, the university, most of the universities have this international center. They are they promote um, exchange and internships in with other countries. That's a good place to start with, because also give you like uh, different uh, agreements between universities. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for all that information. I hope our, our students will follow your lead. And yeah, opportunities are there if you speak English or French or a second language. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Okay, man. It's time for you have you have so you have never seen Wayne's World, really. Wayne's World. Wayne. Wayne's World. No, I haven't. I'm sorry. <laughs> and there, there is some copyright problem if I play the song now, but it's super cool. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry you don't know about that because I was thinking about doing something like like Wayne's work. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not that good. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> you know, I haven't heard about it. I think this is the most serious conversation we've ever had. Yeah. Um, it could be. Yes. It could be. Yeah, because it's never been serious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, man. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for telling our students and everybody who's listening to us about how to get there, what, what it's like to be there, and what it means to you to be there. So thank you, man. Thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me. It was very um, refreshing. Refreshing, okay. And you have, yeah, you you get to watch it after, yeah. Okay, man. So thank you and thanks everybody for listening to us. Uh, listen to us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Here we will always be here with you, uh, practicing languages and discussing diverse topics. This time it was science of the brain with Cesar. So thank you, Cesar. Goodbye. See you. Clickoner all over the world a place for languages a place for fun a place for culture Clickoner the place for you only here on radioamigaintonational.com <laughs>